Hello, everyone. Welcome to Best Thoughts. I'm Rick Johns. And I'm Will Johns. And we're delighted to have you with us today as we continue talking about spiral dynamics. And Rick, I can't wait to jump into this again today. We're starting to get to the good stuff. Yeah, today we really get to sink our teeth into the stuff that is happening in our world as we speak. Blue, orange, and, and Will, I couldn't help but notice, uh, I am wearing blue jeans and you are wearing orange khaki pants, so good job. There we go, we got both colors covered and you know, there is a theory out there that uh, sometimes we wear more of the color that we resonate with. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're always in beige. <laughs> well, that's why you're usually wearing purple. So there we go. <laughs> oh, mercy. Well, it should be a good podcast. And Will, just remind us, we have some graphics and diagrams posted on your website that people could look at to help them understand this stuff. Yes, go to mysoulcare.net mysoulcare.net. It's in the show notes below. Click on the best thoughts podcast tab, scroll down and you'll see a link that you can click on. It says spiral dynamics. It will pull up some graphics that will really help you visualize the structure of what we're talking about. And it's just gives you some, some nice review on each of the colors. So if you're, if you're listening, you're like, wait a second, how, how do these relate? Or what does that look like? Uh, the website's gonna help you a lot. Or if you're just a visual person like me, it's a lot more helpful to see it and then it makes more sense than just trying to hear it. Uh, but we have gone through beige, the first stage, purple, and then there's red, the empowerment stage, which we talked a lot about last time. We touched on blue last time, and maybe let's just pick it up with blue, and then we'll get into orange today. Yeah, and I think before we, we, we dive into kind of wrapping up blue, it's important to remember that the whole point of doing and understanding spiral dynamics is so that we can understand ourselves and other people with compassion. This tool could be used for judgment, to look down on others, but remember that's when we're in unhealth that we look back in disdain and forward with fear. When we're in health, then we understand with compassion. And so when we think about someone that's maybe in beige and they're just trying to survive, let's be compassionate about what that feels like. We've all been there. And, and yeah. quite recently too. Right. Um, when we when we see someone in purple mystery that's disempowered, trying to find that red empowerment, uh, let's be compassionate. Let's figure out ways that we can support and empower that person. And, and if that's you, then you can start to learn to channel that red empowerment energy, yes. which we learned last week, Rick, can be out of control sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. We looked at both the health and unhealth of red. And ideally, you would bring that empowerment of red into the we stage, which is blue. So blue is that transition from me to we. And it's important to have that structure, to go with the principles, to have something that curtails the unfettered red, which can get in a lot of trouble. Not to mention, just think of a society where everybody's red I mean, everybody would be fighting everybody. My way or the highway is kind of the mantra of red. What I want is most important. 
And you basically just have a lot of tribes, uh, small tribes and wars and violence and bad things happening. And there's no wonder that society recognized, hey, we need something above the individual. We need a document. We need an agreement. We need laws. We need principles. We need rules. And we all need to agree to these in order for us to evolve, in order for us, our civilization. I mean, without blue, there really is no civilization. No, and, and what we see here is each color really kind of corrects the, the weaknesses of the previous. Yeah. And in its health, it, it also includes the strengths of the previous color. So healthy blue, which let's just review real quick here, Rick, because we covered this pretty well last week. But in healthy blue, we have what, what, what you were saying, structure, order, a clear sense of right and wrong, mm-hmm. what's allowed in the community, what is frowned upon in the community. Um, and so we, we have this agreed upon sacred text. Yeah. So if you think of Christianity, then the agreed upon sacred text is the Bible. And we look to that for guidance. We look for that to, to create the principles that we're going to live by and function on. And then it helps create community. Yeah, exactly. And you can see this in so many different levels of society. You can have smaller organizations with their own little creed or their own little quote sacred document. You can have large religions such as Christianity, Islam, uh, Buddhism, Confucianism, Shintoism, Uh, that have some of these sacred documents, it's very interesting. You can have a teacher with his own writings and his students, a wise sage with followers. Yeah, I think what you're saying there, Rick, is that the sacred text is kind of what keeps everybody on the same page. Yes. You know, this is valuable in, in creating a sense of community. It's valuable in giving people a sense of identity. I think of young people who are trying to figure out who they are. Coming up in some blue structure can be very healthy for them to get a sense of identity. Yeah. And it and to have that sense of community where they know, like, if I play by the rules, I'm welcome in this community. Yeah. Uh, but this is where any any of the colors taken too far to its its logical extreme becomes very unhealthy and so you know we could we saw it last last time as we were talking about red where where this this individual empowerment is wonderful but taken too far it leads to chaos and violence and yes and extremes and self-destruction and the same thing is true with blue by having the clear sense of right and wrong Blue can be very judgmental towards those that disagree with it. Exactly. To the point of violence. And there's so many examples of this in history and in society, even probably to this day. Will, one I remember from my doctoral research, which I thought was really fascinating and almost humorous, except that it's actually real. <laughs> it, if, if it wasn't real and it was just part of a fairy tale, I would find it somewhat funny. But uh, unbelievably to me, when I was reading of the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages, and especially at that time period where 
the orange is probably starting to creep in that next level of, of new thoughts and understanding and looking at science instead of just religion. Right in that time period, there was a Catholic clergy, a priest named Heinrich Kramer. You can guess he was German. And he became very concerned because there seemed to be this renaissance of women, especially, who were getting close to God, receiving messages from God. They would claim that God had spoken to them or that they had a vision. And they were kind of preaching and nuns in different monasteries were, were writing of their visions. And it just seemed to be a time where there was all this uh, revelation from God coming all mm. over. And he started getting really scared and nervous about this. So he wrote a book called Malleus Maleficarum, which even <laughs> sounds bad in Latin. <laughs> and it's no better in English. It means hammer for the witches. And he was known as the hammer. And he literally went from town to town and he wrote this book to put down principles of what is a witch. Uh, and so those of you that are big Monty Python fans, you'll see this whole little sketch in uh, the Holy Grail with witches and burn her. And, you know, how do we know she's a witch? Well, we put her on this scale. And if she weighs like a duck or whatever, it's something hilarious. But basically, he came up with all these ludicrous rules why someone would be a witch. And basically, any woman was now in danger. Yeah, yeah. And, and that shows, you know, Blue is very concerned at controlling things. And they were worried about Red's, you know, empowerment being out of control. And now there's this, this peace, you know, this development there in the Middle Ages where God is speaking to women and it feels out of control to this guy. Exactly. So he thinks he needs to control it through violence. Right. It is and, the, the Bible is the sacred text, not your personal connection with God, not a personal revelation. And so this is a threat. So again, the worst of blue, us versus them. You're no longer one of us. You're receiving, you're saying you're getting information more powerful than our document. Therefore, you're a threat and you must be eliminated. Yeah. And, and so we see the extremes of blue, very obvious in history. We can see that blue is sometimes believes in things dogmatically, all evidence to the contrary. And so in, in blue extreme, I stop thinking, I yeah. stop a asking questions. I simply accept the dogma with no questions asked. Exactly. And, and so an unhealthy blue that kind of unthinking devotion to the creed, if you will, is rewarded yeah. and encouraged, right? Uh, but certainly not healthy for the individual and ult ultimately long-term not healthy for the group either. And so getting real about this in our world, the church world will, we often see the fear in church when people start to question. When yes. people present new ideas, when people question the Bible, well, could that really be true? I mean, that doesn't make sense. Or when people uh, tart, start to be a little skeptical. I, I remember when I was in college, Rick, I was questioning what my church taught and believed. And I had uh, an, an older man who was kind of, you know, somewhat of a mentor to me, you know, say to me, you know, 
well, you don't need to question because you've already got the truth. <laughs> and I said, but that's exactly what someone in yeah, a completely yeah. different religion would say, yes. you know, to a younger man in their tribe. Right. You don't need to question. You've already got the truth. But we would say, looking from the outside, yes, you do, because you haven't arrived at it yet. You're in, you're in the wrong tribe. Exactly. And, and, and this man had no answer for my reasoning there. <laughs> <laughs> and I think our young people can see that hypocrisy when they're starting to question. And we have to be very careful because it is a hypocritical thing to say, we want others who are not of our tribe to question their beliefs because we believe they're wrong so that they can come to the truth, which is our beliefs. And yet we do not allow questioning within our own circles. So a super amount of hypocrisy when we when we come on that stance. And, and Rick, some blue religions have taken this so far, they will not allow their members to talk to anyone uh, about religion who is outside of their group. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you could just see the fear there um, yeah. and the and the concern. You know, Will, I remember listening to a documentary about a young woman who grew up Muslim, and she was very sincere in her faith. Her parents were very devoted. And as she became more uh, of a teenager and then going to college, you know, she started to question her own religious beliefs, as many, you know, high school and uh, college-age kids do. And one of the things she said is, I no longer believed that I had to cover my hair. I just, that just didn't make sense. I don't even think that, you know, it should have been a thing in Islam. And of course there are, you know, chunks of people in Islam that don't believe you have to do that. And so she came to that belief, but she said so graphically that I'll never forget it. She said, the first time I left the house without my hair covered, I felt so much anxiety. I felt like I was doing something terribly wrong. Mm. I felt naked. I felt exposed. I felt vulnerable. And she said it with such feeling that I could feel it for her. And, and here's how it played out uh, for me personally, Rick, and, and great story there because I can, I can fully relate to that. When you start questioning some of your blue sacred beliefs, you feel like you're being disobedient to God in mm. some form, you know, yeah. that you're doing a sinful or wrong action. But in reality, you know, the Bible says, God says in the Bible, come now, let us reason together. Yeah. It's okay to question. You see questions being asked throughout the Bible, throughout the Psalms, throughout all passages of Scripture. But what's happening there is I was taught very, very clearly in my, in my blue religious upbringing to follow my conscience. Yeah. And so the conscience, though, gets formed by this blue structure. Mm -hmm. Just like that young woman with, you know, you got to cover your hair. Yeah. And so when you question and you start and you finally realize, you know, I no longer believe that this one particular issue is an issue of conscience. Yeah then you're adjusting your conscience and that feels very dangerous right. and scary. And it can be, of course, you know, because someone could adjust their conscience and say, uh, I feel comfortable stealing and robbing and committing adultery now. And they could really blow their life up. 
Yeah. So, you know, we have to we have to be very careful and, you know, talk to other people and get some guidance when we're adjusting our conscience. But a lot of people, and I've seen many, many people experience myself, have gained a much greater sense of freedom yes. by being willing to question some of the elements of that blue upbringing yeah. where blue took it too far, and where, where blue went extreme. And it actually deepens your faith. And yes. this is why spiral dynamics is so beautiful to me. It helps us with this dilemma because we do want to encourage people to question. We do want them to research. We do want all the best information because once you bring everything to the table, then you can actually stand on a strong foundation. And you don't have to have these kind of weak arguments where even you, even though you may believe them, feel like, oh, I'm not quite sure. There's not, it doesn't really make sense. Or why would God actually care so much about this little thing or yes. that little thing? And I want to say to anyone who's uh, wrestling with this piece, especially in the Christian world, God is big enough for our questions. Mm. God yes. is, can handle it. The ones who can't handle it are people that know they don't have good answers, know that they don't, they're not standing on something solid. So they get defensive. We get defensive when we know we're wrong. That's when we're most defensive. <laughs> well, and, and what often happens, and then we need to, to move on to orange here, Rick, but there's so much we can say about this part of blue. What often happens is some minor thing ends up taking on the importance of a major thing. Yeah. So something the Bible might have one reference to gets elevated to the level of something that is the major theme of the entire Bible, and then ultimately causes something major to get undone. Yeah. So for instance, you know, let's say that the headscarf thing, since that's an easy one for us to understand, that could get elevated to the point where it's like, that's more important than, than yeah. loving other people. Right, right. <laughs> is making sure they wear a headscarf. And then ultimately it causes us to, to be unloving towards other people because we judge them when they don't do this little thing right? that we think they should. And this is where holy wars, I mean, if there weren't such serious consequences to this, it would be a little bit laughable. The yes. things that people fight over, the things that we argue over, especially in church, and I could name all sorts of examples. I remember one time I brought in my new cute little puppy to church for a children's story. And this little fluffy puppy was the cutest thing. I knew the kids would love it. The kids did love it. I let them pet her, just held her in my hands, did my little children's story, then took the, you know, my wife took the dog back out and everything was fine. Well, boy, I had a couple members that were so upset that I had dared to desecrate the sanctuary by bringing an animal in. And I just was kind of baffled. I was like, well, I don't know how this cute little puppy that we held in our hand and let children uh, pet and made a good spiritual lesson out of desecrated the sanctuary. But again, these are some of the beliefs that are taught and we don't question and then it's not until we open our mind a little and say, okay, is God really concerned about a cute little puppy in a building teaching others about him? Or did we miss the bigger picture? And this is what you see Orange doing, Rick, as it comes along and it corrects the weaknesses of blue. The parts of blue that get 
unhealthy because they've been taken to an extreme. Yeah. And this is the beauty of spiral dynamics. We'll say it again. You want to transcend and include. So we want to take yes. the good of blue and move on to orange. And guess what? Orange is not the last level either. So we want to take the good of orange and move on to yellow. And then we want to, I mean, green. Then we want to take the good of green and move on to yellow. So we're going somewhere. And so anytime you have to defend your position may show that you're a little stuck in something. Instead, what we want to encourage you is open your mind just a little and say there might be some higher, healthier, happier levels and journeys that I'm not throwing away my faith if I question it. I'm strengthening it. I'm building it broader and bigger. I mean, our God is so big, so broad. He is not narrowed to our little Oh, can I share one of my favorite quotes, Will? Sure, sure. One of my favorite quotes, Dallas Willard, he said, the amazing love of God is that he would squeeze into the little box of our belief. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that that beautiful? I like that. That he would meet us in our own little small conception of him and what he requires and his laws and all these things that he would just come down and meet us in our little small concept is a great act of love, but we can broaden that. And I think that's part of the spiritual journey. Well, and historically what happens, Rick, is sometime during the 1500s, what we often call the Renaissance, this broadening starts to take place. And we move at this point from we to everyone. And so Orange starts to think about everyone Yes. Uh, and, and so we, we see a different way of, of gaining knowledge. Uh, the scientific method is, is uh, discovered and developed where we try to disprove a hypothesis. So we look at some at data in the natural world and, and we say, I think this is happening because of that. And then we try to disprove it. And that's an interesting contrast between blue. Blue is trying to build belief and encourage it. And orange is a reaction against and say, no, we need to question things and tear them down because we've got a lot of faulty understandings. Think about 600 years ago, we thought the world was flat. Everyone thought the world was flat. We thought the earth was the center of all of the solar system of the universe. And so in the Enlightenment and the Renaissance, all of that changes. Yes. I mean, the, the development here of this scientific method creates this explosion of knowledge because now we have permission under Orange to try to gather all knowledge that's available to us. And so this, the scientific method moves forward and we start developing ways to cure diseases because Mm -hmm. we understand germs you know that comes along and then we figure out ways to counteract that we develop what's now modern medicine Uh, so many more things can be treated just you know 150 years ago if you got sick they might just bleed you for a little while you know right we need to, re- you know, remove the foul humors of your blood, you know, like crazy stuff. I mean, you would go to a hospital to die for sure 
150 years ago. Yeah. Because the surgeon that worked on one person without washing his scalpel would come over and work on you, and then you would get infected and die. So the level of medicine is just incomprehensible to us living in the modern world. Uh, just sanitation alone developed through orange, where we used to to dump es- excrement in the in the streets. That's just unfathomable to us now. Yeah. Uh, now that we have these waste systems and and you know and all of this stuff, a much yes. higher level of cleanliness. Purell. Purell. <laughs> <laughs> we all have that now. But we thank thank you, Orange. Orange yes. is the one that brought us all these things. Orange brought us the printing press, how we could mass print books and articles and information. And now, of course, we live in the information age, so now we have the internet to disseminate all this stuff. But it was Orange that made the world everyone. It's orange that brought us from we to everyone because it shrunk the world. Now everyone could have access to information, learn from each other, different countries, different cultures, different groups. Books are going all over the world. I mean, it's an explosion. It's amazing how far we have come since that enlightenment. Whereas 10,000 years before that, or how many ever years it was before that, there's very little growth scientifically. Yeah. Very little. And then all of a sudden, boom, it just explodes. And the, and the common person isn't educated, doesn't have yeah. access, can't Public read, education comes along. Doesn't have books, doesn't have the money to afford a book. Yeah. And so what we see, and it's interesting because it enters the church, so you have this Reformation period yes. you know, within the church. But what we see in Orange is that it develops democracy, it develops systems of getting things done, and what we could see it today, and it's probably valuable, Rick, for us just to look at some concrete examples of how Orange is still alive and well in our world today. What what are some ways that you see Orange? Oh, Orange is everywhere. Uh, We are in the information age, science, evidence. All these kind of things are just common tools. We have the public school system. That's a very orange. We have colleges, universities. That's all orange. Corporations, by and large, are orange because they're using science. They're using, well, the Industrial Revolution was orange. Hey, we figured out we can make this. We can do that if you do this. And just using the scientific principles. We couldn't fly on an airplane if it wasn't for orange, if it wasn't for science saying, you know what, there's this thing called air pressure, and if you could go just the right speed and have the pressure, and I'm still amazed that I can get on this really heavy metal object (laughs) with about 200 other people and go 500 miles through the air, like 500 miles an hour? That's that's mind-blowing, but the science showed us how that could happen, and now we just take it for granted. We just hop on a plane and go somewhere. 150 years ago, birds were the only things in the sky. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, orange, so much of what we see in the world today is orange, that all democracies depend on orange philosophy, which is that the people should have a voice in how they're governed. All medical institutions rely on orange science and systems. And and I'm going to guess, Rick, that many of our listeners today have some element of orange in them. Remember we said 
in each of these stages, we have a center of gravity, but we, we can also kind of move around to the different colors. So maybe, maybe most of our listeners may not be at orange as their center of gravity, but I'm guessing there's a part of them that is orange just because of their curiosity and willingness to learn new things and grow. Uh, I don't think you would be spending time listening to our podcast if you weren't trying to grow your understanding in some way. And all of us have been to school. It's mandatory. You have to go. A school is the place, I think, it's a very orange way of dealing with our society. We need to educate our young people. So that's, so we do have that bias uh, within our society, I think, of uh, orange. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Will. I think all of us have tasted orange and have some in us. Uh, some of us may be scientists. We may be uh, living in orange. This is our favorite uh, color. So, And that's well, cool. And here's an example from the church world that's real interesting is the rise of the mega church was where we saw a blue Christianity, a blue religion, take orange principles mm. and use things like marketing yeah. and use things like, you know, demographic information and use things like originally it was the seeker service yeah, and systems of production producing a worship service that was very entertaining, very engaging, using lights and sound and a, and a massive auditorium. And so we see a blue organization using orange principles to further their mission. It's a really fascinating mm -hmm. kind of way that these colors start to interact with each other. Exactly. And that's what we'll be talking about next week, Will. We'll look at some of the unhealth of orange and why that kind of spurred the next spiral, which is green, to bring some correction to uh, a runaway orange. Well, and before we get into that, I just want to add one more you know, personal story just to, to go back to just in case anyone's at that stage where you're, you're, you start to understand, yeah, I, I really want to have a reason for what I believe and, and really know why I believe the way I believe that's entering into new orange territory. And I remember when I was at that stage in my own spiritual development, it started in college, but continued well after that, that with that questioning process, yes, there was fear, as we mentioned earlier, but I also found a lot of excitement. There's a lot of joy. Mm. And I want to I emphasize this positive of Orange, that there's a lot of joy in learning new information mm -hmm. that's true, that makes sense, that fits reality. Orange is a wonderful gift in helping us navigate reality. Yeah. And it's so frustrating when you're trying to deal with reality and you don't have the facts. You don't have an accurate map. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's kind of like, you know, trying to get from point A to point B and you have no map. How, how are you going to get there? No GPS yeah. on your phone, um, you know, and, and so orange comes along and it fills in the places of the map that were mysteries to us before. And as a result, what I found personally, Rick, is I have far more freedom in my life because of the blessings and the gifts of orange than I had when I hadn't gotten there. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I agree with you, Will. And I just want to appeal to any of our listeners kind of in that transition. You know, you don't have to be scared of it. It's certainly a necessary and healthy part of the journey to kind of explore your own faith, to explore and look for answers, to move into that everyone stage and uh, just embrace the knowledge and wisdom that is out there all over and helps us deepen and broaden our understanding of our faith, our God, and our own selves and spiritual journey. And I think what I was afraid of, Rick, and maybe some of our listeners might have some fears related to as well, is really the unhealthy move in these colors. And in unhealth, someone would move to orange and then throw out blue completely. Right. And and in health, we transcend and include. And so by questioning, by getting more facts, by learning more things, you're not going to have to throw out your right. blue faith. Right. You don't have to. Yeah. That's that's a misunderstanding and it kind of that's unhealthy orange, really. Yeah. But in in health, you can transcend and include and get the best of both worlds. And that's ultimately where we're headed when we by the time we get to yellow, we're going to see that there's a way that we can include within ourselves all of the strengths of all of the colors. And that's what gets me really excited, Rick, but I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves here. So I'll just leave it at that. And I'm very excited next week to, to look at green as it comes along to help deal with some of the weaknesses of orange. Yeah, so next week we will talk about those unhealthy things of orange and they are there and we'll show how Orange, like you said, Will, can go to war with blue, and we've got a lot of blue-orange wars in our Mm. world, especially right now Mm. for the pandemic. So stay tuned. Next week, we will share some of those so you can understand a lot of what's happening in our world right now. But for now, you have been listening to Best Thoughts with Dr. Rick Johns and Dr. Will Johns. We'll look forward to being with you again next week. Hey everyone, Will here. Just wanted to remind you that we have a website you can go to to get resources and graphics for those of you who are more visual. That's mysoulcare.net. And also, if you've been enjoying this podcast, please take a moment right now to rate us and review us. This helps other people find our podcast online. Thank you so much.